from worlds beyond to right at the gaming table. These are all my fantasy children. Ah, Celeste, when last we saw you, you were undertaking quite a rigorous training regiment. If you remember, listener, Headless Seven, the legendary knight and magical storyteller, left Celeste with a big task. Spend two weeks in the wilderness and create camp. The catch was, Celeste had to use her ability to create everything from a tent to cookware. Well, two weeks came and went... Camp Magenta Ley Line was a huge success, and now we see her packing up, well, breaking down her creations. This had been a wonderful time for Celeste, a memory that would bring her a smile during the many hard times ahead of her. Her time at camp sure was helpful, though. She could now create several magical objects at once with almost no effort. Celeste felt Cool. Camp had given her confidence a much-needed boost, not only in her magical abilities, but also in herself, which is very important when you're the person tasked with restoring light to the world. Time to pack up, she said with a chuckle, and just like that, poof, 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 her conjured camping equipment disappeared with a magenta twinkle. How neat. But where was Celeste off to next? It feels as if she's been in the region of truth for years. She reached into her pocket. Hmm, let me check my Mr. Seven flipbook thing he gave me. Ah, yes, the Headless Seven Celeste Silverna Super Travel Guide, he called it. She started to flip the pages with her thumb, and Seven's drawings began to move. Celeste watched as the cartoon Seven left the camp and headed down a trail marked by a sign labeled Moonlit Path. The drawing waddled down the path and approached a tiny stairway that led into the ground. As she continued to flip, The silly Headless Seven drawing started to become more and more realistic, until she could have sworn he was right in front of her. His goofy smile was replaced by an incredibly serious look, shaking his head as if to say no. Above the drawing of the stairway were the letters RTT. She continued to flip, but the drawing stayed the same. He must really want her to remember this part. Okay, no RTT stairs, I got it. Celeste said, and she watched as the drawings returned to their normal, goofy style. The goofy Headless Seven returned to his waddling and moved over to a sketch of a city by... Oh, goodness, Celeste thought. This drawing is terrible. But wait, if he had the ability and also the time to draw that exact recreation of himself right down to the decorations on his armor hundreds of times, why the heck was the drawing of this city so awful? It's as if he didn't even try. I mean, I understand the style choice of the cute little Waddly Seven, but this is on another level of ugly. Celeste continued on for quite a while about how almost personally insulting this drawing was. But back to her adventure. She bid farewell to her beloved campsite with a little wave and found the start of the moonlit path, the road where truth becomes moon crescent. Celeste had grown quite fond of the landscape of truth, the moss-covered stones, babbling brooks and forests. Goodness, these forests. So beautiful and so dense you can rarely see the sun through the canopy. She loved the way the ground was spongy and springy from layers of decaying plant matter. Celeste was procrastinating. Yes, she loved these things, but in reality, she was scared to move and move on. She knew that she barely survived in truth, and now she had to enter another new world? 
How many would she have to learn to adapt to and survive in? Dread began to creep up into her shoulders, squeezing the muscles tight. Her breathing was fast and tight. No, no it wasn't. It was slow, deliberate, and peaceful. Celeste took one more deep inhale. And when she released it, she felt the tension in her shoulders vanish. She shrugged, brushed her shoulders off, and said, You know, I'm just the same me. I'm just more in control. And that's right, Celeste. Go you. You are more in control. She knew that she was the person who survived for weeks. No, wait. Not survived. Thrived. Using her power. Not the wand or the ley lines. And you know, that thought made her smile. Woo, I'm cool, she whispered, and started down the moonlit path. After about an hour on the trail... Celeste began to see just how different the landscape of Moon Crescent was from Truth. The first thing she noticed was the path itself. Trails and roads in Truth consisted mostly of piled leaf litter and decomposing plants underneath. Over eons of being stomped flat by travelers, these layers condensed into a slightly raised, soft, very comfortable surface to walk on. Well, that spongy walkway was starting to dissipate, and Celeste could see the layers of plant matter thinning out as she walked. Soon, the path was replaced by a hard-packed, dusty road, uneven and cracked. Celeste found the change irritating. Not having to look down as you walked and constantly adjust your footing was a luxury she took for granted while in truth. But as she looked around... She knew that truth was now a world away, and where she stood was the start of Moon Crescent. The earthy tones were replaced by icy blues and metallic sheens. The plants of this forest to Celeste didn't look like, well, plants. They were something more akin to metal sculptures. The wooden bark of trees gleamed like silver, and their leaves rustled in the wind like sheets of platinum chainmail. Here's a fun Moon Crescent fact for you, listener. The forests of Moon Crescent fall short in terms of density when compared to Truth, Dragon, and Geode, but what they lack in amount, they make up for in biodiversity. Trailblazers have said that when walking through Moon Crescent, you could spend your entire life looking for two plants that are exactly the same. The cause of this is the wind. The winds of this region are such a unique phenomenon, impossible to predict, almost sentient. The gales of Moon Crescent carry seeds and pollen to lands all over fantasy. But what is most mysterious is how the winds will bring back seeds and pollen, almost collecting souvenirs from its travels. But back to Celeste. She was absolutely fascinated by these beautiful and unique trees. These, well, not so much evergreens as ever blues really caught her eye. Each of the trees' waxy needles were the length of her hand, and their strong smell perfumed the air around her. Celeste really liked plants, fun Silverna fact. Her responsibility, back in ruin, was tending the small family garden. How cool. But as she bid farewell to the everblues and continued her walk, in the distance, a short way down the path, she spotted something familiar. Two great trees forming an archway. Oh, those are the ones from Mr. Seven's drawings, right before the ugly drawing of the city. He drew Mr. Waddle Seven heading under these trees. Woo! And with a huge smile, Celeste took off running. The heels of her short boots click against the hard-packed path. She passed under the arched trees, looked up, and tipped an invisible hat to them. Thanks for the warm welcome, Moon Crescent. 
when she came to a stop and looked out, the view took her breath away. For miles in front of her stretched a grassy valley, every inch of it covered in wildflowers. To her left and right were towering mountain ranges that surrounded the valley like two massive arms. The mountains were the color of sapphire and aquamarine. The light of the midday sun made them sparkle. To Celeste, they looked like two massive creations of hers. She chuckled and wondered if she'd ever be able to conjure something as big. The path she stood on wound through the valley like a snake, and Celeste was overjoyed to take a stroll and take in the sights. The wind was at her back, and its gentle push made this trek feel as if she were floating through the air. When Celeste would stop to admire a flower or gaze up at the shimmering cliffs, the wind stopped too. She noticed the game that the wind was playing with her and decided to have a little fun. With a mischievous grin, she stopped mid-step, and the wind followed suit. Okay, now let's see if we... Whoosh! She took off sprinting down the path. The wind on her heels, she leapt into the air and... Celeste began to glide. Even if just for a second, the wind kept her airborne before gently returning her to the ground. This was paradise. She... Oh, gosh, the smells. A medley of sweet grasses, delicate flowers, and distant rain were carried on this wonderful wind. Celeste noticed a ferocity, yet also an elegance to it. To her, this was like walking through a park with an old friend. She wondered if she spread her arms like wings. Could the wind carry her all the way back to ruin? Ah, but this was nothing compared to the gales of ruin, she thought. But not bad, though, Moon Crescent. Not bad at all. Sadly, Celeste's time in the valley was coming to a close. The hard-packed path ended where the two mountain ranges converged. An enormous wall of stone stood before her, and the only way forward was through it. The glee she had felt during her jaunt through the valley washed away when Celeste saw where the path led. A tunnel. It was so dark. A pitch-black maw that Celeste thought would swallow her up the moment she stepped inside. Yes, she was scared, but no, this did not slow her down. She was not the same Celeste that once cowered at the sight of a cosmic horse. She was the wielder of the planet's power, the holder of the event horizon, the person who stood against Delta, the most feared knight in history, and lived. The dark? Ha! Celeste spent two weeks fending for herself in the wilds of truth, and not once was she afraid when night fell. Ha! Unholstering her wand, Celeste held the event horizon high. As it began to draw in the light of chaos's energy, she imagined what she needed, and with her right hand, used the power of order to shape that chaos. The light condensed like crystals of ice forming in water, taking the shape of a perfect magenta lantern. Armed with the warmth of the planet's light, she set out into the darkness of the tunnel. Oof, it was very quiet. The only sound in that tunnel was the echo of Celeste's short boots. She held the lantern out in front of her. Its magenta glow lit her path. Her hand slid along the wall to the left. The darkness was almost disorienting, and the stability it brought made her feel, well, a little better anyway. It was scary. She can't lie to you, I won't lie to you. While the walls were polished smooth, though, the ceiling was 
strangely a work of art. The glow of the lantern revealed elaborate carvings into the stone above her. Vivid pictures that told a story as Celeste walked. From the minute she entered the tunnel, her eyes were fixed on that magenta-lit story unfolding with every step, her left hand still sliding along that cold, smooth stone. The carvings told a story about a tower, that once upon a time, when night fell, a wizard in a tower would pull all of the shadow and pain in the world unto them so that the people could smile. But... This was too great a task, and as time passed, the misery and dread the wizard absorbed overtook them, and the tower became a cursed place. It would remain that way for generations until the queen arrived. The queen used her magic to break the curse on the tower. The moon queen chose to stay within it and face all of the world's pain by herself. That is, until the dragon queen came and together they turned the sorrows within that tower into light and made the humans. But the Moon Queen still felt the pain of the world. One day, she played a- Whoa, whoa, whoa! Celeste's left hand felt the wall suddenly disappear and she fell over into an opening. Her left hip hit the ground with a metallic clang. When Celeste held up her lantern, she saw she had fallen into a narrow hallway that led to a single door. Celeste got to her feet and slowly walked toward the end of the hall, her boots ringing out on the steel catwalk below. The reflective surface of the door made it look special, but it wasn't. It was just a door. But why was there a door in this tunnel? Where did it lead? Now, Celeste was a curious person, but let me tell you, not that curious. And after a good minute of studying the door, she turned to go. Walking back toward the tunnel, she was a bit shaken up, but ready to get this over with. Lantern out in front, she approached the end of the catwalk where three stairs led back to the tunnel. She liked the way the light peeled away the darkness, uncovering more and more with every step she took. Reaching the small stairs, Celeste placed one foot down before she saw them. Two people, leaning against the wall opposite of her. She would have screamed if fear hadn't choked it in her throat. Staggering backward, Celeste's lantern lit their faces with a trembling glow. She felt her heart beating in her chest. Damn it, they caught me off guard. The two figures were strangely dressed, but vastly different from one another, as if in elaborate costumes from different regions or eras. The one on the right was dressed in layers of heavy black robes adorned with toxic green jewels. The other was covered head to toe in ornate armor, badly damaged from countless battles. The figure removed their helmet and let out a bellowing laugh. <laughs> hermit, hermit, look what she made. Pointing at Celeste's lantern. What are the odds, hermit? <laughs> the armor-clad figure continued to laugh, clutching their sides. The one called Hermit kept her eyes on Celeste. She was a barn owl person. Her head cocked slightly to the side as she spoke. Heading through the mountain, are we, little spark? Celeste said nothing. Instead, she focused on her breathing. The two had caught her by surprise and no doubt expected her to panic. After all, they had the advantage in terms of number and positioning, and the only way back into the tunnel was through them. But for now, she had to breathe. Speak! The one called Hermit commanded. Celeste slowly moved her hand to her hip, her eyes locked with Hermit's. Go on, little spark. 
draw upon your fading light and speak. The tip of Celeste's finger had barely twitched toward her wand when the robed figure moved. Her hands were like lightning. Celeste hadn't even blinked before the one called Hermit stood on the small stairs, hood down, holding a lantern of her own. It was three times the size of Celeste's, and inside burned the same green fire that Celeste saw in ruin. Its sickening glow illuminated the hallway. Fine, if you and your light will stay silent. How about a word from a greater arcana? Kachunk! Hermit's lantern fell to the floor. From the sleeve of her robe, a smoldering metal chain slithered like a snake and wrapped itself around the lantern. Eyes wide, Hermit smirked as she began spinning the chain. Faster and faster, her lantern had become an enormous flail, cutting through the air with blinding speed. She began to walk forward. Celeste knew she had to make a move or she would be crushed. Hermit was savoring this, and that made her slow. Celeste's eyes studied the spinning lantern. Hermit spun the chain at a steady pace. She would have to time this perfectly. Celeste stood still, hand on her wand, watching the green light as it spun. She could feel its wind striking at her face. Not yet. A little closer. Hermit, overwhelmed with bloodlust, and Celeste, springing her trap, screamed in unison, Now! Celeste's magenta lantern vanished, and with a beam of light fired upward. Hermit's arm was flung back, her green lantern high above them now, the chain pinned to the ceiling by a magenta trident. Now it was Hermit who was caught off guard, and Celeste continued with her assault. The hall was narrow. Whatever she created would have to fit. Celeste's right arm extended, and as she gripped a beam of light, it took the shape of a bow. In one fluid motion, she holstered her wand and conjured an arrow. As she drew the bowstring back, Hermit fell backward onto the metal catwalk in fear. She knew this was the end. Celeste released the arrow, and a crackling beam of energy erupted from the bow. The brilliant light reflected in Hermit's eyes, and she shut them, accepting her fate. Two hands appeared over the hooded hermit and reached out to block the beam of light. It was the armor-clad figure, their massive hands conjuring a huge, sickly green rose that filled the narrow hall. As Celeste's arrow bore into the rose, each petal was peeled away one by one until the flower was bare and the arrow disappeared with a twinkle. No way. They blocked it? You've grown careless, Hermit, the armored one said, their hands giving off magenta smoke. The remains of their rose turned to ash and blew away. Hermit was furious. Chariot? Hmm? The armored one responded. Thank you. Don't mention it. The one called Chariot placed an open palm on the top of Hermit's head and knelt down. Now, don't get angry, Hermit. You relax. I'll take this one. With their massive gauntlet hand, they gently pulled Hermit's hood back over her head and stood to face Celeste. Nice try, little spark. You gave two of the greater arcana a run for their money. And for that, may your last moments be filled with pride. 
Chariot's first step toward Celeste shook the steel catwalk like thunder. They were more like a tank than a human in a suit of armor. And as Celeste backed away from the lumbering juggernaut, she felt the cold steel of the door against her back. She watched his chariot go closer and closer, her hands frantically searching the surface behind her. Finally, her hand felt the doorknob, and as she twisted, she threw her weight backward, slinking through the cracked door and slamming it behind her. Now don't hide now, little spark. With no effort, chariot ripped the door off its hinges, revealing another door made of magenta light. What? said a frustrated chariot as they opened the second door, only to find another magenta door. In fact, there were hundreds of doors that Celeste had created. It would buy her some much-needed time to run. Safe for the moment, the room Celeste found herself in was odd. There was a small booth with glass windows, a monitor with no power to it, and a sign... A sign that Celeste missed as she hopped the turnstile and rushed down two flights of stairs. At the bottom was nothing. What? She stood on a small raised stone platform with nothing in front of her. To her left and right was another tunnel, more narrow than the one above her. Celeste leaned over the edge and looked to her left and right. Nothing? Wait. In the distance, there was a yellow light that was coming closer. A whistle blared. An engine chugged, brakes squeaked, and there it was, a train car sliding to a stop in front of her. Its doors parted open and a chime chimed, do-do-do-do, welcoming her aboard. Boom! Boom! Celeste turned and saw that Chariot and Hermit were halfway down the stairs. There was only one way out. She hopped off the platform and into the empty train car. The doors closed behind her and the train took off. Celeste saw Chariot charge the train, rear back their fist, and slam it into the side. Boom! But nothing. She got away. Celeste watched with relief as her pursuers in the platform faded into the distance. Oh, exhausted, she fell hard into her seat. Finally, she could relax. (laughs) Thank goodness for this train. I thought I was done for if... She scanned the car and noticed something familiar. R-T-T... Oh no. The warning from the flipbook. She went down a stairway that led underground, and the letters RTT. She read a small sign above the door that read, The Rails Tumbleweed Trolley. And as the train began to pick up speed, Celeste knew that her bad day had only just begun. (laughs) 